name is Shruti. And my name is Julie. And this is a podcast of convenience. This is our first podcast episode uh, where we are going to be talking about romance novels. You may know this, you may not know this, but um, a marriage of convenience is a very common romance trope. And we want to talk about romance novels. And so we're going with a podcast of convenience. Shruti, how long have you been reading romance novels? You got to admit it right off the bat. I've been reading romance novels since I've like 12 years old when I was sneaking them out of my mom's closet and she didn't know it. And I definitely should not have been reading the graphic content of these books that I was reading. And yet I did. She's going to know it now. She already knows it. I told her a couple years ago and then she just was very like my bad about it. I should have hit those books better. <laughs> and uh, Julie, how long have you been reading romance novels? So you're, if you're like our resident expert, I feel like I'm a lot newer in the romance novel world, at least comparatively. Um, I think you introduced me to romance novels probably in college, maybe. You sort of brought me into the world and have since been pretty much the source of all my recommendations. And they've all been great. So... We're going to talk about them yeah. because we have strayed into territory that is worth talking about, we think. Yeah, if you're on TikTok, if you're on Book Talk, if you're on Spicy Book Talk, you will have inevitably heard of the Ice Planet Barbarian book series by Ruby Dixon. And one of our mutual friends that we're actually in a book club with sent us a TikTok about it because we read a lot of interesting, weird books in our book club. And Julie and I were the only ones that braved the world of ice planet barbarians julie read it first and as a joke she read it and then she told me honestly one night shruti i think you might actually like this <laughs> unironically i think you're gonna like this i think you should read it and so i did I, and then i, I feel read like a lot of people fell into that trap yeah. of wanting to read it to laugh at it and then understanding that like oh no this is while not classic literature extremely compelling to read and fun to read and yeah, there's a lot of books in that series. That woman's making money. It's like hot garbage. Hot garbage. And I love it. Unironically, there are a lot of really, I should say there are a lot of really problematic things to talk about in the Ice Planet Barbarian universe. I actually like capped out at a certain number of books because of the book that we are intending to cover in our second episode. It was just so horrendous. Oh man, it was so horrendous. I can't. I can't pick it up anymore. It's like upsetting. But I did reread the first and the second book again, just in preparation of the podcast so we could talk about it. Yeah, it definitely started as fun brain junk food that is just great to consume, even if it doesn't add anything to your life. And um, oh, it's adding real deep into it. It's adding something to my life. I just am not really pleased to admit <laughs> it about myself. <laughs> not sure what what that something may be. Six. Six. So, yeah, we're, we want to talk about Ice Planet Barbarians, the series that we are trying to become less ashamed of liking. And now we are admitting to whichever three people listen to this that we love at least the first Ice Planet Barbarians book, which just even saying the title is still... I will say, after my reread of the first Ice Planet Barbarians book, it is not even close to being my favorite in the series of the Ice Planet Barbarians. It's very much like world building and like setting up the 
the rest of the series. There is, like, a good romance in it, I guess. But it's not, like... I wouldn't be like, this is the best. I wouldn't say that about any of these books, that this is the best romance I've ever read. But it hits a lot of those tropes and stuff that you're just like, I'm... I'm not ashamed of this, but I don't really want to go shouting it to the rooftops how much I enjoy this. I feel like sometimes we get... um we fall into a hole of like, oh, we've read 20 Ice Planet Barbarian series books or whatever. And so some of the absurdity is maybe lost on us at this point. And so for people who haven't read Ice Planet Barbarians, even again, just saying the name, the absurdity in that, um, we have to sort of remind ourselves sometimes that like the things we're going to talk about are very weird and the book series is weird and great. Um, yeah, we're like, just full- sort of, <laughs> we're fully indoctrinated now. It's too late. We're in it. We're it's too, too late deep. for us. So, um, yeah, just in case you really want the juicy plot of Ice Planet Barbarians not spoiled for you, don't listen to this podcast until you've read it. Um, If you don't mind some of the plot being spoiled, we're going to give some stuff away here in our our deep dive. Yeah, hopefully this podcast will be just like two people hanging out and having a chat about a book. So there's probably going to be a ton of spoilers along the way. This isn't like the podcast of we're uh, breaking down themes and metaphors and why is the curtain blue. This isn't going to be that. This is going to be like, we like the book and these characters are dope and let's talk about it. Yeah, we're not smart enough to be that first thing. Don't sell us short. We have degrees. (laughs) (laughs) We both work in jobs. Um, Very boring corporate (laughs) Well, Julia, you work in a hospital. <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't make me smart. <laughs> disagree. Hard disagree. Yeah, smart people can like romance novels, and that is a hill I will die on. Oh, no. that's not. It's not that we like romance novels. Yes. It's that we're reading Ice Planet Barbarians, unironically, at this point. But I still don't again, think that makes us dumb. It. <laughs> it just, we're rolling with it. <laughs> I think, I mean, we're gonna, probably going to talk about this a lot in the hopefully many episodes to come, because even if nobody listens to this, I like talking to you. Um, but, like, romance novels fulfill something for the girls, the gays, and the theys. I'm going to include everyone broadly, that mainstream media... Everyone but men. Cis, straight men, we're going to go yeah. with, because... Um, Again, like uh, T.J. Clune's Werewolf series is written by a gay man, and it is some of the best romance I've ever read. And so good. It was the first um, gay romance I'd ever read, and I really loved it. But we're not here to talk about that today. So let's let's get back to let's talk about what in Ice Planet Barbarians right. fills that romance novel right. hole that was. So let's just start with the basic plot. There is a character named Georgie, in the first book. And she is our protagonist. And it starts off with... I actually like how Ruby Dixon set this up in the very beginning when she gets abducted by aliens, but, like, right before she gets abducted, she's having this nightmare, and she's talking about, like, how much she hates her corporate life. And, like, essentially she's setting up, like, this character that has no joy in her human existence on planet Earth, which very much will soften the blow of an alien abduction. Because if you, like, get abducted and sent to an alien planet, but you have friends and family that you love left behind and this job that really fulfills you and all these other things, it's uh, it's just detracts from the, the 
the ease of your transition into an alien abduction. Yeah. Later on in the series, there's characters who have things, emotional things like that to work through. But in this one, where there has to be so much world building that takes place, the character can't, there can't, there isn't room for the character to go through a lot of growth or turmoil it's kind of just like oh abducted by aliens is the turmoil but i don't have to go through anything internal or go through any kind of journey to get to the place where i'm happy um being abducted by aliens because there's so much so much world building to shove into this little fairly short book it's not i mean what yeah i would say they're like novellas they're really short reads yeah so yeah if you if you're curious it's like a 399 book on kindle unless you have kindle limited and then it's free and um They read, I'm not a speed reader, I'm like a regular pace reader, and it took me about two days to get through it of, like, consistent reading, because once I was in it, I was just like, oh, I'm sitting in the car, Evan's driving me someplace, Evan is my fiancé, and um, I'm just, like, reading it while we're in the car. (laughs) I'm reading it to the place we're going, I'm reading it back from the place, oh, we're waiting in line somewhere, I'm just reading it, because it's very easy on your phone just to race, like, rip through these books so fast. They beg to be ripped through. They do. They are compelling. It's very good. Co- I read it in uh, like four hours. I read particularly fast and I did not stop reading it once I started. So I want to say I knocked it out between like eight and 12 one day amongst doing a couple other things. Um, they're not long and they're not hard to read. Ah, they're like brain <laughs> they're candy. Great. They just take, brain candy. They take you to a weird, better, strange place. Anyway, so Georgie gets abducted by aliens and... There's two types of aliens on this ship. There's, like, the little green men, kind of standard uh, alien that you hear about. And then then there's the basketball head aliens. She describes them as basketball head aliens. That's not my term. That's her term. And they just got, like, skin like a basketball, and they're orange. So she calls them basketball head aliens. And they're, like, like monstrous. They're terrible, terrible... um, essentially like trafficking humans illegally in space so they have a select you find out very quickly that they have a selection of women all aged 22 all reproductively fertile which i i do want to say that like the weird focus on reproductiveness of humans in the international space market is strange to me but then I guess like in book 20 you find out about cloning so I guess maybe that is why they wanted 22 year old fertile human women for their space market yeah there's like breeder breeder kink fodder throughout this whole thing and I was I'm not a fan of that as much so like again not a book without problems yeah I think we should keep a a list of a tally of problematic shit and I think it starts with like the sexual assaults that take place in like the first chapter yeah tr- huge trigger warning for anyone that does not want to read about sexual assault or hear about sexual assault we're going to talk about it for a little bit but julie did trigger warn me before i picked up the first book that like hey this book is pretty fun and wild but in the first chapter or first two chapters there is a very graphic Sexual assault between a basketball head alien and one of the humans that's on the ship. And it felt so unnecessary to me. It's always unnecessary, but this one was particularly unnecessary and easily skippable if you're interested in reading the book and don't want to experience that. We recommended it to another friend who just completely skipped that part, and it literally took nothing from away from the series yeah. in terms of 
it's fine. You don't have to experience that if you don't want to. No. It is the first in a, in a list of problematic stuff that while we love the series, we can't just pretend doesn't exist and we want to address as like, that's not cool. However, we're going to address the rest of the art piece in its entirety and explain that there's fun stuff and that there's not fun stuff about it. Girl, you just called it an art piece. That's amazing. It is. It's an art piece oh man <laughs> we're too deep truthy we're too deep i mean you're a lot deeper than me because i did stop and you kept going and you're like maybe you should read it again and then like no, two books i mean it's gotten two books later you're like oh surely they introduced roofies and i'm like yeah yeah i think i'm out i think i'm out because it gets more problematic yeah and there's a point where you it, it, the fun stuff about the series may or may not outweigh the kind of yucky stuff. So it's up to in each individual reader where they want to go with it. Yeah. Or if they don't want to approach any of it. Yep. So George is on a ship with aliens. And they're like in the spare cargo hold. Like this group of ten women or so. And they're being fed like these weird, they call them like seaweed bars. And they're shitting in a bucket. It's really like kind of grimy the beginning of the book is really grimy and i was like waiting because julie said hey it's gonna get better it's gonna get interesting takes a minute takes a minute so i was like all right everything that pretty much happened on the spaceship was very upsetting and i felt like a lot of it was for no reason i honestly said to julie i'm like i think if they had killed one of the women it would have been as effective as choosing to sexually assault one of the women because that also presumes that like we're in like a like the alien world is as obsessed with sexual assault as dominance, which you're going to give us aliens and then you're going to give us this. Come on, man. Right. Like if you're already writing escapism, please don't put us in a world where that kind of power dynamic and assault is still happening. Like that's just yucky. We don't want, we're reading this to escape from real life. Don't put the stuff in that we hate. I don't know. It was, maybe it's just particularly yucky for. No, it was yucky. No, it's just yucky. It's gross. It's so unnecessary. It's pretty much always unnecessary. Yeah. Ugh. So anyways, Miss Dixon, that's a, a big complaint we had. And Dixon. highly recommend. As we know you're listening. <laughs> oh my gosh, could you imagine? We're about to like shit on some stuff that she wrote and be like, <laughs> hey, we loved this, this, and this. And like, girl, can you not do better? Um, so anyway, so then they, the girls, because Georgie kind of falls into this de facto leader position with the girls that are not in the tubes. Um like the stasis tubes. And they come up with this plan that they're going to break out and like steal weapons and essentially attempt a jailbreak in space because they don't want to be in the situation that they're in, obviously. But right when they're about to enact their plan, the spaceship crash lands and they essentially are dropping the cargo on this planet because they're carrying illegal cargo and the humans are the illegal cargo. And there's this really great scene, which I actually loved because I know it's like a revenge fantasy, which is like if you're going to throw sexual assault in the mix, then you got to throw in a revenge fantasy. I, sure. I guess it makes sense. But she like beats one of the basketball head aliens into a bloody pulp because she's like, what if he doesn't have a brain like a human brain? What if he's still alive? And she just turns his brain into mush. She double taps for sure. She does not give him a chance to come back. She absolutely beats the hell out of him. I appreciate and that. And they kill one of the aliens, which is excellent. It was quite excellent. But then they've crash landed with no seatbelts in this ice planet. They all fucked up. They all they all fucked up. 
<laughs> like broken legs, mangled limbs. Someone's like dying. It's pretty rough. And so the only one. I think two. I reread it like just this morning. Two girls died. Two girls crash. died. I didn't yeah. remember that either until I reread it. She yeah. like murks two of the women so fast, which is pretty wild considering like the way that the rest of the book series go and like how tame it is in terms of stakes. That she's just like in the very first chapter, we're just going to kill a bunch of people. Um, it's great. Very compelling. I was interested. Then they're out. Um, they're not out. Sorry, they're not out yet. They're still in the spaceship. And everyone's mangled and everyone's broken. Except for Georgie, of course, our protagonist, who I think only has like a broken wrist. And the rest of her is yeah, relatively... Ribs, yeah, she's relatively okay compared to like the mangled, bloodied mess that is left in the hold of the ship. And she's the elected leader. And they're all like, hey... Georgie, do it, man. Get out there. Save us because we can't walk. The end. And she doesn't want to, but she has to because no one else is going to save them. So she... And again, there's no... There's like maybe uh, four sentences of like internal conflict over any of this. She's pretty much just like going with the flow for this book. Which I thought was a little funny because she's from Florida and I'm, like maybe this isn't the craziest shit she's ever experienced. That's funny, but no, I was thinking about the weather because it's an ice planet. They call it like not Hoth after Star Wars Hoth planet. And um, she's from Florida. Like I'm from California. I don't like cold weather. I'm also brown. I'm Indian and from California. And the idea of like, oh, I land on a space planet. And then I'm like, boom, let's just roll out into the snow and the ice. And no turmoil. She mentions it once. Like, oh, it's cold. The end. She I just completely go. goes with the flow. There's no room in this book for her to have any kind of conflict, internal conflict. She's just going for it. Beginning to end, she's like, wow, that's crazy, but I guess I'll do it. Whoa, that's an alien, but I guess I'll fuck him. Like, she <laughs> just completely goes with it 100% of the time. Oh, man. Nothing phases Georgie. No, and that's why she's their fearless leader, because she's... Yes, that's all it takes. She's really lacking in some critical thinking. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, she does save the day, so... And, you know, I'll say this. Let's just jump ahead a little bit to when she meets the male protagonist of this book. Um, so, she essentially, she escapes the ship. She's walking around. She's learning about the ice planet. There's two suns, blah, blah, blah. And then she gets caught in a trap, like a snare, and is hanging upside down from, like, a mysterious trap. And then this figure comes out of the darkness and is, like, walking towards her. And she passes out, of course. Natch. Natch. So he cuts her down with a sword that is never mentioned again for the rest of the 20-something books. I'm like, I'm on 28. So 28 books later, no swords are mentioned again. But he had a sword for one. And I'm like, how are you going to just backpedal on the fact that he had like a Bronze Age weapon in what is essentially the Stone Age? Come on. Yeah. But he's barbarian. He had a sword. Not anymore. Nope. And that's such a stupid plot hole to get fixated on. But I was mad about it. I'm like, how come We're he- too deep, Shruti. <laughs> We're gonna worry about things like that. How do we reread it? Come on. That's true. We've read we've reread the Ice Planet Barbarian series. And it's so short. And I was literally like yesterday, oh, I should read the third one again just to really get caught up. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. I have I need to read like a 
I have a I have an entire stack of like literary books sitting there, and I ripped. Oh yeah. I ripped through twenty of these before I picked up um, an actual like literature. Oh book. yeah, absolutely. Because it's more fun. I hate to tell you, it's, it's just more it's so fun. Easy. And you've been buying each individually, haven't you? I have Kindle Unlimited, don't, but you've been don't you've been shame putting me. money in Ruby Dixon's pocket for these. She deserves it. It's you like know what? the hours of entertainment she's provided us, and she probably does deserve it. I mean, I'm like, I'm in the Bay Area. We're essentially like still under quarantine. We're not like living our life out there without, you know, we go out once a week to get groceries, to run errands. That's it. Like, I'm in my house 24 7, seven days a week, having a good time. Like, this really brought me out of uh, a dark quarantine hole of just like every day is like the last. Not when we're on the ice planet, barbarian planet. <laughs> not when we're on Not Hoth and fucking big blue dudes. Oh, yeah. Back to, uh... <laughs> Back to our big blue dude. Back to our big blue dude. Julie, why don't you take over for a minute and describe Vectol and their Vectol. Mutant. His name is Vectol. Yeah, so just to talk about the the part we're all waiting for, the, the ice planet barbarians themselves. Um, they are aliens. They call themselves Sakui. And they, however you want to pronounce that, whatever. And they are very, very tall, very large fellas. They are blue. They're covered in very short, fine fur that is compared to like a velvet, I think, like a suede. Suede. She says suede a lot. Yeah, like a suede kind of fur. Like a nice suede boot. <laughs> Gross. I hate that. <laughs> they have tails, like a lion tail with a tuft at the end. Prehensile. They, um, a prehensile tail that they prehensile tail they can they can use and they, they use it in sex, let's be honest. Let's jump the gun and say that. They do use it. It's a sex thing. Um, Everything's a sex thing on these guys. <laughs> everything. They are um They have horns. These, they have horns. That's a big one. They have horns. They have glowing blue eyes. They have fangs instead of of square teeth. Like all they fangs. Have, like all fangs. Yep. They have three fingers and a thumb instead of four. And the same with toes, and their toes are like splayed out as if to move atop snow easier. Ice planet. Snowshoes. They have ridges um, all over their body, like along their forehead, um, their arms, their chest, their dicks. Their tongues. Their tongues, of course. <laughs> Anywhere that maybe a little texture might be kind of fun, they have ridges exactly in the right spots. Um, what else about that? They have a spur. They, okay, yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> yes. They have, of course, extraordinarily large penises. Why not? Did um, I did I jump the gun on the spur? Were we saving? No, that for let's later? do it. Let's talk about the spur. Okay, everyone's waiting for it. Their penises have, other than ridges on them and being extremely large, a little cartilaginous nub Cartil- above it. Cartilaginous. They, I don't know if that's even a word. They keep comparing it to the size of a pinky, and. Essentially, the Sakui men are like, whatever, it's just a thing I have. And, of course, it hits all the human women right in the clitoris when you are having a certain style of sex. Or, so, or if you're doing it doggy style. Hits you right in all of the spots you want it to. So, it's essentially like a pointless... We don't know the bi- if we don't find out. I'll say we don't find out the biological reason for it until like eighteen books in, and then there turns out there was a biological reason for it. But it took eighteen books to be like, it's just there. It's just there for you. Yeah, it's just there in case human women one day cross the galaxies and end up on this planet and are real tickled by it. Yeah, 
ridged tongues, ridged dicks, spurs, and then other just them just being large barbarian men. It's like a, a monster fucker fantasy, basically. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, it is though. Like we're really into this. There's some but deep I part will, of us, Shruti. But I will tell you, I will tell you this because I remember like reading the book for the first time, and even like 18 books in, there was never a point. Where I thought about the description of a Sakwi man and thought, yeah, that's hot. Like, I'm, hey, I'll say this. The furry community exists, and I'm not going to shame them, and I'm not going to kink shame them. I just don't know that that's in the deep part. There's other parts of this fantasy that I'm, like, into, and, like, their physical bodies sound like a horror show. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely pictured Navi for, like, the first two books, and it was grossing me out until I finally like looked up pictures like fan pictures and stuff so that I could get rid of the Navi image in my head but you're not into um, that <laughs> I, it was so gnarly and now it's now I actually you know I'm like ooh, they could be hot they're blue they're furry yeah. they're like a big, big sexy stuffed animal I'm more into fangs. their like the weird um like the way that the personalities are which I realize is also like there's a lot of problematic stuff in like the way that they are as people because they're from like an innocent cave person society, but actually I thought of a really good reference and it's a Disney reference. And I don't know if I should bring this up. We're going to get sued for comparing this to a Disney no, thing. Do it. We're allowed. You remember in the film inside out when you're like in Riley's brain mm-hmm. and there's that teen pop star kid that like pops I out. I would die for Riley. Yes. It's I would die for Riley. That's the trope. That's exactly. There what these is guys a are. part of every person that like no matter we haven't even talked about the plot at all we just jumped all the way ahead to their personalities we haven't even introduced him yet how sad okay but it is very much like an i would die i would die for riley over and over again like that's your whole personality is i i don't have anything that's more important than you which is their personality is I would die for Riley. Yeah. All the things they do, all their hobbies have to do with pleasing their women. All the things they do during the day as their like job is about pleasing their women. Or like survival, but mostly yeah, sur- pleasing but their like, women. But like survival in terms of like, oh, I need to bring meat home to my woman and my tribe, but mostly like I also will t- turn this fur into like a wonderful cloak for my woman or like in their free time. The women will be like, oh, you don't have to dote on me. But the, the Sakwi are like, well, of course I do. You're my mate. It's literally my reason for living is to make you happy. It's a biological like, imperative because of the weird. Yeah. You know, we haven't even gotten into the weird parasite <laughs> thing yet. We got to jump back. <laughs> okay. The parasite. We should really hit that huh? I feel bad for everyone who's listening who hasn't read any of these books because they're like, I don't know what they're talking about. We just keep sprinkling in madness and then expecting people to keep up. Yeah, let's talk about the Sakwi a little bit more. No, no. Um, we got to we gotta go back to Vectal. Okay. <laughs> who cuts Georgie down and their first yeah. meeting. <sighs> okay, we'll talk about the first meeting. Because I feel like that's important just given the pace of the book. <laughs> The book series does switch back and forth between the pro- the perspective of Vectal and Georgie as the two protagonists. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you hear from Vectal's point of view after a certain point, and it switches back and forth. Vectal takes Georgie back to a cave um, where they can be safe. He, at the time, starts resonating to her, and that phrase means nothing when you first read the book, of course. Um, He's vibrating. He seems- He's basically, his chest is vibrating and he calls it resonance. But I also want to say very excited about it. the vibrating when you're having sex is also like having a human vibrator. 
Yeah, I mean, just Ruby Dixon did not pull punch. She's basically like, these are walking sex toys. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Walking sex toys who only want to make you happy. I mean, it's again the escapism in here is amazing, and then occasionally they sprinkle in some weird shit that you're like, no, I was here for the walking sex toys, but that's okay. Um, Vectal, once he resonates to this person, she becomes his whole world, and. One thing that he does is that he removes her like stinking clothing. Oh, he carries her, her because she... he carries her off to a cave because they're in the yeah, snow in the planet. cave. Yeah, in the cave they um he like removes her clothing and he's marveling over at her weird alien body. Oh, she has five fingers. Oh, she's so pale and pink. Oh, she has boobs. They call them teats, unfortunately. Unfortunately, <laughs> teats. So she's got big teats. My Sakwi women don't have those big hangy teats. Ew. And <laughs> it's so I hate it. Um, I hate it. and I love it. And then, um, how to delicately say this? There's no delicate way. You might as well just say it. So, just drawn to the scent of her, um, he just begins to provide cunnilingus to her. (laughs) I don't know. He just straight up dives in and starts licking her. And again, Ruby... Let's do another Problematic tally. Problematic tally number She's two. She's unconscious, Ruby. What are you she doing, Ruby? Ruby. <laughs> what is consent Luckily, to she Ruby? immediately consents upon waking, but at the time, she could not consent. Barbarians don't get it. Ruby, you get it. You could have done better. Ruby, you're a human woman living in this yeah. world. And I think he wrote these in like the 2010s. Like, really, Ruby? Really? An unconscious woman? I feel like a lot of a lot of things in this book will be like, here's a horrible problematic thing, and we gasp, and then the women in the series go, oh, it's not that bad because of this, and so they sort of try to smooth it over because the women don't react, so we're like, oh, well, maybe it's not that bad. No, but it's no, terrible. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> but I would say the way that they glossed it over, and um, I don't know how we can admit this without sounding like the lamest people you've ever met, but we did a PowerPoint presentation on Ice Planet Barbarians to our book, to our book club because... <laughs> We got so enthralled, and obviously that's where the podcast idea came from, was this was so much fun to put this together with you. Let's make a podcast. So we... Oh, it's so much worse now that we've admitted that. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Julie, we are who we are. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Don't be ashamed. Um, but, like, I would say, and one of the things, we, like, made a whole slide presentation of what are the redeeming qualities of the Ice Planet Barbarian books, and one of them is the concept of women as survivors. And so I will say that um, when Georgie <laughs> wakes up to mind-blowing cunnilingus, <laughs> like, you d- you're in her head, so you're getting, like, what is she thinking while this is happening? And aside from, like, whoa, this is great, and I love cunnilingus, you know, um, throughout her budding relationship with Vectal... It's a survivor story in a way because they can't actually communicate. They don't speak the same language. And Vectal is like, we are mated now. You are my mate because my chest vibrated. And that's how they know. That's how their species knows that they are destined to be biologically compatible, which again goes into that weird breeder thing, which I don't like. But that is the conceit of this book that that is part of it. Um, But Georgie, for her, to her credit is like, what do I have to do to save the girls on the ship? And if that means that I have to, like, have sex with an alien to get help to the girls, then I'm going to do it. But see, when I say that, it sounds horrifying 
But the way it that doesn't, the- at the same time, he does not push. He he suggests sex. I mean, he does push the cunnilingus on her. She loves it though. Luckily, whatever. <laughs> when he he's got a ridged has, tongue. Who wouldn't like ridged? Gotta love that ridged tongue. After that's over, he sort of pushes to go further, and she resists. And he's like, "But what? We're made it. Keep it in mind. They cannot speak to each other. They do no. not speak the same language." Um, he sort of gets pushy, and then she's like, "Nah," and then he backs off immediately. He's like, "Okay, she doesn't want to continue. We won't do that." The men of this these books don't seem to be they like the idea of of rape doesn't even occur to these barbarians. It's not a part of their culture. It's not something that they would ever do. At one point, a woman's like, "What you would force me?" And they're like, "No, that's not. What are you talking about? That's not even possible." Kind of thing. So that is, and again, these completely perfect men in this world who literally haven't even invented rape yet of course we would never sexually assault a woman but the breeder kink is present and in it's gross it's a little gross because yeah. i mean we're like, I like we're like we want king shame furries but breeder kink is nasty it is it is i'm sorry julie i i draw the line that's where i draw my line that's that's the hill you're gonna die on. Um, okay. And again, I am saying like all the, I'm talking a lot of shit about these books right now. Not admit I read eighteen eighteen plus. I think I read like twenty of them um, before I was like actually disgusted by one, and I was like, I'm out. I can't do it anymore. That was it made me feel ill. Uh, we'll get to that in our second episode. But anyway, so um, I will say I will give Georgie credit for like a survivor's instinct of doing what you have to do to survive. And, like, it does get romanticized a lot of the way. They talk about Stockholm Syndrome in, like, every book. Like, am I experiencing Stockholm Syndrome? And the answer is unequivocally, yes, you are experiencing Stockholm Syndrome. But it's very romanticized. And Yeah, um, they love it. I mean, like, if you were stuck... Okay, hypothetically, (laughs) let's do a thought experiment. Ooh, I love a thought experiment. Me too. So you're in Georgie's position, or, like, one of the girls, and, like eventually it's more than 11 like people just keep crashing on this planet to keep the book series going some and then some some people get bought which we don't we don't like that ruby we'll get there we'll get there um we don't love slavery ruby just as a note just as a note i mean going (laughs) forward in your day maybe you think about that next time you write a book when you use the words illegal slavery in a book, it creates problems for your reader emotionally. Yeah, we don't love it. When they're trying to romanticize this and you throw in those words, I'm like, I don't know how to do this anymore. <laughs> um, but, like, hypothetically, you're in the position of someone who's crash landed on this planet. And the only means of survival, you know what? Fuck it. Spoiler alert. They all have to get a parasite because the atmosphere is toxic. So at the end of this book, all of the women essentially get a parasite that you're no longer allowed to leave the planet. Spoiler alert, there was no way to leave the planet because this is like not really a known planet. It's it's like a smuggler's planet. They don't even know there's people here. So you're stuck. You're stuck on the planet. You have a parasite. The parasites that you have and your partner have determine biological compatibility. And so you start vibrating when you are fertile yes it's a breeder kink it's weird <laughs> yeah the queen the the parasite is called a quee yeah. by these people it's like a little they, worm um it's a little worm they live in various animals and there's one particular one that they hunt they kill they pull the worms out of its heart and they put it into the women because otherwise the toxic atmosphere will eventually kill the women they start becoming sick and, and showing signs of this before they get the parasite they call it the cooey However, sickness 
The queer sickness, yeah. However, once the parasite is in you, if you try to leave this atmosphere, the thing dies and takes you with it. So it's not something that you can remove. Yeah, you're in a forever symbiotic relationship with a worm that lives inside of you. The worm does make you a little bit more resistant to the cold. It heals you quickly. And it picks you a breeding partner. <laughs> so, like, essentially the question is, what would you do if you were abducted? You had no way back. Like, literally no way back. You're stuck here forever. And there are, like, and again, with the cooey, it, like, it makes you horny because. I'd, f- I'd fuck. Are you, this is a thought experiment. Would I fuck a blue guy? Because, yeah, I'd fuck a blue guy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> They're walking sex toys who want nothing but to make me happy. If I'm stuck on an ice planet and it's live in a cave alone or fuck a blue guy at night. With a fucking vibrating worm in my chest that makes me crazy horny all the time. I'm going to do that. What else is there to do? There's no TV. So that's what I'm saying is essentially like that's the that's the plot of the book in that you're like, yeah, okay, it's fine. Because what else are they going to do? Die in the snow or fuck a blue guy and live happily ever after and making a lot of babies. There are like one or two books in which the female character starts to resonate to a man that she does not want to resonate to. And... Like, your body turns against you when you don't give in to the need to procreate. And so you'll, like, start wasting away and dying if you don't have sex. You get sick and you get weak because the quee is, like, just turning your body on all the time. Yeah, it's a real enemies to lovers peril where it's like, oh, wow, we hate each other. But if we don't have sex, we're going to die. <laughs> Every single book where in which the female protagonist and the Sakui protagonist dislike each other or I mean the Sakui male never dislike the female no. but if the female if the women do not want to to be resonated or mated to this man um every single time I feel like of course they end up together it's a romance novel mm-hmm. and then at the end somebody's like is it the is it the quee is it my parasite that made me fall in love with this man or is it that I just love him and it happened to be that I resonated to him oh well I guess it doesn't matter because we're in love and we're happy and it's like no but but it was the worm, right? Like, it's got to have been the worm. It picked it. You hated each other. Suddenly, you don't hate each other. You just want to fuck. That's the worm. I mean, I... God, when you say it like that, it does sound like that. <laughs> they always leave that question open-ended because That's the true. answer is the bad one. It's the bad answer. It is. It is. You're not wrong. <laughs> But I do feel like that's not giving a little bit of credit to the fact that that she does flesh out some of these characters. So, like, one of the characters that I'm going to think about is Hayden. Hayden? He's a Sakui man with the horns and the thing. And I forgot what his uh, girl lady name, his lady's name was. Um, Kira? No. Is it? I don't know. It doesn't matter because I swear it's 20 books. There's, like, so many. I've lost track. But that he was not a nice guy because of like a very compelling reason and like he wasn't mean or abusive or anything he just was very cold and standoffish because um Josie Josie oh yeah Josie was like the happy-go-lucky one so it was like a really like sunshine character with a storm cloud character and it was golden retriever and like angry black cat for sure and I I do like it so there's a lot of we love it there's a lot of tropes like that where she did flesh out their characters and made it work in a way that I enjoyed. Yeah, it's it's again that thing where she does something that is either a range from kind of weird to like downright would normally be unforgivable and because of the way the characters react, she somehow spins this horrible web where I just I go with it. Like no, no matter there how was, problematic it is. 
there was one that I read, and it is the one with the slavery aspect in it. Where <laughs> problematic tally number three. I will say, and I I will I will die on this hill, Miss Dixon. <laughs> um, and Julie read it first because like we were kind of going back and forth on who's on what book because it just depends on what weekend you have the most time to rip through as many of these as you can. And Julie had gotten ahead of me and she said, Shruti, you're not going to like the end of the last one because it ends with one of the Sakwi men hiring eventually some other aliens crash on this planet and they have the ability to leave. And he's like, hey, I'll give you this technology from another crash spaceship if you go get me more women because they had essentially run out of women to mate with. And these dudes were like, if I don't have a mate, then I'm nothing and my life means nothing. And so he's like, here, take some crashed spaceship parts and go get women. And the guy was like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And the guy was like, no, really, do it. Here's all of this stuff for free. And he's like, so you want me to like do illegal slavery? And the Sakwi man was like, what's illegal slavery? I don't, he literally says that. Like, what is, like, phonetically yeah, I don't know what that is, but just slavery. Bring me- Bring me women. I don't know what that is and I don't care, yeah. but, but put women on this planet for me. Yeah. Bring, bring us five women. And Julie read the next book because I was like, I'm out. That's the one where I'm out. I don't like it. I don't like that concept. I think it's really gross and upsetting. Julie's like, it wasn't, it was bad, but she kind of made it work. And so I read it and because I wanted to get past it to the next one where that wasn't the main, like, let's redeem a slaver. Like, <laughs> what are you doing, Ruby? <laughs> what are you doing? And I will say, I didn't really like that book that much because it's like you've taken a very deeply broken character who's been trafficked and then I wish we should put a big trigger warning at the beginning of this episode that we're talking about some heavy stuff because Ruby talks yeah. about, she talks about really heavy concepts kind of like offhandedly. Real cash. Yeah, so I just like read that one to get through it, but I always found it really upsetting that um, like, yeah, of course they fall in love and blah, blah, blah. And it's, yeah, it's another situation where this man has purchased this woman, not realizing what that means, but still he has purchased a human. Um, they somehow fall in love anyway. And she, she convinces him, she teaches him the meaning of what he has done in, in his ill. And he is maybe sufficiently it wasn't good enough for me. I really didn't No, it was borderline. She was more forgiving than she had any right to be yeah. <laughs> basically he didn't um, earn it he deserved yeah he didn't earn. he she wrote it in such a way that it was supposed to be that he earned her forgiveness or at least nope that they came to an understanding kind of and again because the character in the book was like oh he and he gets it um he wouldn't have done this at least i'm not in the fucking purchased by somebody else she was in a human and, zoo she was in an alien she was zoo. In a, she was in a people zoo and yeah i mean it was it, she, ruby dixon spins her weird web where things suddenly don't seem as bad as they should because the characters all go, oh, but it's okay because I love him. And it's, you're like, right, no, no. That was not. one where I was like, she's like a deeply broken character. She never really learns to stand on her own after that experience. And she oh, relies on characters have she relies journeys. on him to eat. Like if he's not in the room, she won't eat, you know? Yeah. I mean, not. Can you list anyone, any of the female protagonists that have an arc of any kind? Yes, I can. I thought Liz had. A, I thought Liz had a really good character arc. I think from what to what? Um, give me a second. <laughs> she did not grow. She did not change. Other than she got fucked a lot. I will say she was a badass in the beginning, and she was a badass in the end. So she didn't lose her character. 
But she didn't gain anything or learn anything either. Oh, right, Julie. She got fucked a lot (laughs) by an alien. (laughs) I thought Rahosh had a good character arc. I don't remember him. Who's he? He was the one with Liz, where he was like, he's the first one that ever abducted a woman. Ruby, again, if we're telling. Problematic tally number four. A lot of these Aqui men, while they will not force sex on their women, they will... Abduct them abduct them in order to spend time with them because they think that that's okay because like oh if we spend enough time together you have to fall in love with me which she'll, is she'll love me stockholm syndrome but they don't have and stockholm works. on their planet so they never learn every these. time because of the worm that damn worm okay so we've completely like stopped talking about the plot of the book but i think that's okay <laughs> there's not <laughs> there's much no there's not much more to it than that like they fall in love yeah Oh, they rescue the woman from the from the thing. She gets pregnant by the end of the book. Yes, because once you resonate, the worm is trying to get you pregnant. Mm-hmm. Once you once you have fulfilled fulfilled that, they say the fulfilled resonance. Sort of, fulfilled resonance. The worm will simmer down a little bit, although you still kind of buzz in each other's presence mm-hmm. sometimes. But it's low lower key, I guess. Um, they rescue the women. They all get their parasite put in. Um, one against her will, I think. Right, Liz. One. Yeah, he like tackles her to the ground, <laughs> cuts yeah, her neck open, yucky. and puts yeah. a worm because he resonate. Well, he resonated to her before she had the worm, and so the also the resonance thing is once your worm picks somebody for you, you don't ever resonate again if that person dies. Like your worm has one, one person, and that's it. So it's a mate for life thing, and so mm-hmm. he was like, if she refuses to take the worm. I feel bad we keep calling it a worm because they don't call it a worm. They call it a queer. <laughs> but it's a glow Quee. worm. It's a little blue glowing worm um, parasite. And Liz was like, I've changed my mind. I don't think I want to do this anymore. And he was like, no. No. You're going to. You don't have a choice. I'm going to yeah. put this inside of you. That's what she said. And then that's what he did. <laughs> that's exactly what all of them did and said. Yeah. It's problematic. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they all accept the swarm one way or another, mm-hmm. and some of them resonate immediately, and some of them take a while. But basically, all of them, all of these books, each of them is a male protagonist, Sakui, and a female human protagonist. Uh, they... yeah, almost. There's some where they they mix it up, but then it's a, they call it a different series, the, the Ice Home series, and we're gonna talk about that in the next podcast. We're reading all of these, so if you don't want to read them. And you're like, what is all the buzz about? We will tell you what the buzz is about. We'll tell, we'll tell you. Yeah. You don't have to. And um, yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a Sakui female. There's only like a couple of them left. That's why the human women are so enticing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is one, and she has a romance with a, an alien from off planet. Uh, it's there's the lore that is packed into these books is actually impressive. I think that's actually what kept me reading more than anything because every time yeah. I was like, this is fine. I'm done. And then in the last chapter, she'll drop some weird stuff where you're like, but I want to know what that is. Like, why are there cave paintings? Where do the cave paintings yeah, come Shruti, from? Yeah, back and forth, speed round. Hit me with some of the weirdest shit from this. I'll go first. There is a volcano and a tropical island that erupts and is destroyed on the ice planet. Dang, this is so hard, Julie. There's so many weird things that happen. We already talked about so much. Um, Pick one. One of the girls gets into, when the alien slavers come back, she gets into their spaceship and, like, rocks a bunch of, like, aliens. She, like, knocks that thing into a mountain, which I thought was pretty cool. She, like, would sacrifice herself to save her people, which was pretty cool and weird. There's a giant pterodactyl bird that is bigger 
than any of the people and at one point it snaps up one of the female protagonists and carries her away and she cuts her way out of it oh my god i loved that scene such a good scene such a good scene it's very romantic um and you might be like guys how is there anything romantic well you know what pick up one you might find some stuff in there that you're feeling confused about like why do i like this monster fucking maybe you have a breeder (laughs) kink maybe you're into something even weirder i promise it's in here I promise. Okay. They use their tails during sex. They do. Do you want to read about that? You do. Um, there was an avalanche that happens. Um, that's actually not that interesting. But there's a deaf character as well. And that's another thing is I feel like she does actually throw in, ooh, you know what? I've got a, I've got a two-way feeling about this. because She's she, not ableist. We love she that. She throws in some diversity, but then she really fucks up the diversity with like... I'm thinking very specifically of the character of Summer, who is an Asian character, and the way she wrote about Summer, I was very offended. <laughs> I was offended. But then, um, again, I'm reading a $3.99 book, so it's like, all right, I'm offended. All right, that's it. <laughs> what that's am I going to... good. <laughs> I, I, I also feel Problematic like... Problematic shit number five. She wrote Summer in a, uh, a what? Like a... Like an Asian stereotype. Like, oh, she's so way. smart. And, but she's like, I have a feeling that Ruby Dixon knew an Asian person and, like, didn't like them based on the way that she wrote Summer. Oh, my gosh. And then she just, like, straight up stereotyped her. And then she also wrote, like, an African-American character. And she calls her Ashy in the book. One of the first two she, books. She refers to herself as Ashy, yeah. No, no, no. She doesn't refer to herself as Ashy. She's described oh. as Ashy in, like, books one or two or something like that. Where it's like, oh, Wait, really? there's a character with a hair like a cloud and... Her, I think it might have been when she was like sick and dying in the ship. But either way, you don't like if you're not a if you're not a African American or a black person, you don't get to say stuff like that, Ruby. It's weird. She writes a, a couple of Latina characters later on. I don't know if you got to those books. No, there's a lot of a lot of white women trying to write a people of color, yeah. a person of color. It's and- <sighs> It's icky. Like, get a cultural advisor girlfriend. It's a little icky. And I know there's, like, an Indian character later, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure she's a doctor or, like, some kind of a medical. She's a paleontologist or something. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't... Paleobotanist. I remember you liked that book, but I didn't read it because I was done after the Gren storyline. I don't remember there there being a ton of, like, her trying to explore this person's culture, which, of course, she has no experience in and no perspective on. Other, you know what? She does have a an overbearing grandmother who's trying to get her married, and mother. That's Ruby, that's not your place. Like you can't call yeah, Summer. Like right. oh, I... Summer's obsessed with chess because she's Asian, like indiscriminately math. Asian. Yeah, yeah, she's a math person and a chess person. And she's like, I actually liked the way that she wrote her anxiety because, like, as a person with anxiety, I was like, this feels really relatable that Summer is so anxious. But like, did you have to throw in all the other stuff that's like very stereotypical? No, you didn't. I don't. We're at least a five on the problematic tally. There's so, far. so many more. It can't be right. We should pull up. I mean, the just the ones that we've specifically called out. We should pull out the PowerPoint because we had slides. <laughs> My God, we had so many more on there. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. I feel like we started this by saying like, "Oh, this is such a great series," and we're going to tell you why, and we've just been trashing it the whole time. But I feel like. That's accurate. I feel like she deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Hey, I will say, like, with any author or any book series that we read, um, you know, it takes a lot to write a book and then put yourself out there. So I'm not going to, like, sh- especially something where it's, like, we read 
over 20 of them. They are problematic in a lot of ways, but also the romance genre, especially when you go back to like the older romance books that I used to read when I was younger. Like I read books that were written explicitly in the 80s and 90s by white women for white women. And the tokenization of people of color is like most of them don't even have people of color in them, let alone to tokenize them. Or they were like maids in your house or Mm, like we love to fetishize Native American savages and stuff like that which is like horrible and that is pretty much what it entirely was so I will say like thank you for including women of color as protagonists that's nice but you know it's 2021 and I think this is like fair feedback to give about all this stuff absolutely with all of that said I really enjoyed it I reread two of them this week just because I'm like this gives me a brain vacation from having to think about the state of the world. It makes the buzzing go away for sure. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, it's just quiet. And I'm on an ice planet. And this guy is like, I would die for Riley. And I'm like, yeah. I would die for Riley. And also the sex scenes are nice. spicy and delicious. They're great. She knows how to write a, <laughs> a, a good old-fashioned romp. Yeah, we gave it, like, for spiciness, especially if you're into, like, the furry community, fucking 10 out of 10. <laughs> They use all. They don't talk about them being furry very often. They talk about some of their weirdnesses and their differences, but I they do, are described like men. I do wonder if their equipment, what should you call it, maybe is furry. Because I was never clear on like, is it's ridged, but is it ridged and furry, or is it ridged? I thought the fur sort of tapered off in the dick dickle area. Dickle. For some reason, I feel like I read that <laughs> at some point. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't remember because. It's been so. It's it's been a lifetime of reading these. Picture getting swayed wet like that. It's just gross. gross. It's like ew, and then it's ugh. That's pretty nasty. Yeah. Um, what happens at the end of this book? I truly don't remember. Oh yeah. So at the end of the book, um, oh my god, because I just did reread it, so it's very fresh in my mind. It's so stupid. <laughs> so Georgie and Vectal, they obviously fall in love, and they rescue the girls, and then they spring the rest of the girls from the weird tubes they all get the um worm and then they set up the next book by liz getting abducted so rahosh is another saqui man and he abducts liz and they're like there will be consequences for this and that's like the setup to the next book spoiler alert there are never consequences no there aren't even when they briefly try to go here's your consequences they take it back there are nothing or they're immediately revoked Yes. Which, again, in a romance novel, like a strictly romance novel, I'm fine with that because I don't want to have to think too hard while I'm reading this. I just want to have yeah, fun. Yeah, any, any conflict that happens in these books is very quickly resolved. Yeah. Oh, except for the cave collapse. They don't let, well, even that, they don't let you get anxious for long about things. Just enough so you're like, I'm going to buy the next one. <laughs> yeah. But then as soon as as soon as everything, you know, as soon as you spent the two ninety nine, it's like things are calm again and I don't have to be worried about my kids. And then there's like a hundred, a hundred half babies just like with horns and skin. Oh, the babies. Yeah. They start popping out babies immediately. Of course. Because they're resonating to procreate. <laughs> this tribe that used to be like 12 people, mostly men, is now full of women and babies that are half Sakwi, half human in various shades of blue with various states of horns and tails. Um, Wait, Julie. They, honestly, they sound downright nasty to me, but maybe that's maybe that's rude. They sound gross. These babies. They don't. The babies sound fine. Babies in general are gross, but these okay. Sound we should probably gross. also say that Julie does not really like kids very much. So if Julie starts to shit on kids, that's why. <laughs> no, but I mean they have like they're like 
blue and have horns. Julie, you just Imagine said birthing you, something with horns. Julie, you just said that you would fuck a Sakwi man, but you have a problem <laughs> with a half human, half Sakwi baby. I do. That's weird. That's the kid thing. I don't have anyway. the kink. I just have the monster fucker kink. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Back to the end of the book. The end of the book. Georgie is getting... Oh, it's the first time that they do it doggy style. And so they're facing out of the cave, I guess, or they're facing off into the distance. And then they are having sex in doggy style. And so they're exploring the... What do they call it? The spur into a separate entrance. They're having a great time. And then all of a sudden, in the distance, you see the alien spaceship come back for the cargo, cargo being the ladies. All of the ladies have ripped out their trackers. They all had trackers in their arms. They ripped them out um, because they're badass ladies who are capable of that. I don't know that I would be capable of that, like conscious. It'd be very scary for me. Um, They took all the trackers and then they threw it into a metlac nest like a cave with metlax metlax are like yetis that exist on the metlax are are like sentient but not intelligent life that lives on the planet they hunt in groups and they're basically like furry bipedal uh enemies of the sakwi like kind of like tall shaggy dog people yeah um and again in terms of like ruby laying in little details like eventually the metlax are a bit more sentient than you originally thought and i thought that was so cool that originally you think they don't really have sentience but then they start doing things that are very... They have societal bonds and things like that. Yeah, that they have family yeah. units and they're not just like mindless creatures that they claim to be. So I thought like, hey, Sakwi, stop being so mean to the Metlax. They have feelings. They have children. Um, they're kind of like chimpanzees. There's a lot of They're kind of like chimpanzees. Yeah, there's a lot of critters in the lore here that are very interesting. Like yeah. the big birds that snap you up and... and... Yeah, she keeps um, it they interesting. Have, like bird animals and yeah, it, it, they keep it interesting. It's an alien planet, so there's fun yeah. flora and fauna. So the the basketball head aliens and the green aliens they come back and then you see them kind of hover while they're having sex. They're looking out, and then they're and then they just fly away and then and then literally that's it, which I thought was really <laughs> anticlimactic <laughs> for the fact that like whoa. You just got like straight up stolen and trafficked by these aliens that have modern weaponry. And you're just like, oh, look, they're back. Oh, look, they're gone. <laughs> Excuse me. That should be a lot. Nothing else will happen related to this. She, this must be over Yeah, now. she's pregnant. She's straight up pregnant at this point and just, like, getting it doggy style, having a great time. And, like, oh, look, there they are. There they go. <laughs> so stupid. I th- and then, I mean, whatever. There's a lot of, a fuck ton of spoilers in this. They do come back. The aliens come back, and it's very um, interesting. And that's, like, some real peril that they throw in there, which is kind of fun. So we should probably start wrapping up, but any last thoughts about Ice Planet Barbarians up until uh, the specific book, Willa's Beast, that we're going to be talking about in a separate episode? Overall, I liked it. I thought it was really fun. I'm very used to reading very, very problematic stuff because I have been reading romance novels since I was an 11 year old and... Guys, if you think the stuff we're talking about in this podcast is bad, I will tell you that there is some really, really dark stuff that gets romanticized in older romance novels. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's normal. It's normal for men to, like, emotionally abuse you and call that love. At least these guys don't do that, you know. 
I and I well not as deep into the romance novel world I'm very deep into the horror novel world so like this is fine <laughs> this is cool Julie's this read is all super problematic and terrible but at least it's not the other shit that I read yeah Julie reads Nightmare Fuel for fun it's great and then she recommends those to me and then I read them and then I have nightmares it's a good time yeah no this is brain junk food this is pure happiness no nightmares involved despite the fact that there's very weird shit happening but hey it's fun to criticize as, as as much fun to criticize as it is to actually read and enjoy parts of it so yeah and after Ruby Dixon did that right and after we talk about um the ice planet barbarian book series which is our first book series that we're going to talk about and then ice home in the next episode we're probably going to talk about some like romance novels that we actually liked that didn't have as much problematic stuff in it like like actual good books instead yeah. of books that are fun to read but probably not not good i mean it's not they're not good but like this is a hot this is a hot topic romance novel right now but i'll say i've been a huge fan for a long time there's so many books out there that are so fun and yeah, we want to talk about some other some other cool ones we're in the gonna future too. we're gonna get into it hopefully so so that's it for this time oh um, oh i had an idea before we me. before we close it out is that we set up our email today, five minutes before recording this, because this is our first episode and we don't know what we're doing. And our email is pod, P-O-D, of convenience, C-O-N-V-E-N-I-E-N-C-E, at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you if you guys have book recommendations, Personally, on my own romance novel journey, I would love to read more books by people of color or the LGBTQ community because, again, I've been reading since the 80s and the 90s, and those are primarily written by white women. Nothing wrong with that, but I'd like to diversify a bit more. And I thought it would be fun if we actually do get any responses in our email box. If you guys send us maybe your real-life meet-cutes, we'd love to read them on air. We will totally talk about your real life meet cutes. Yes. Yeah. Love that. I feel like it's on theme. We won't do what we did to Ice Planet Barbarians, we promise. We will celebrate your love. love. We will celebrate it. Purely celebratory. Like, did you guys have like an enemies to lovers like meet cute in college? I would love to hear about that. That would brighten my day. Send us that. Yes. Send us that. Send us your recommendations. Pod of convenience at gmail.com. Um and otherwise we're signing off oh thanks for listening we don't have anything anywhere yet but rate review and subscribe wherever you can <laughs> when it's up <laughs> once that once we figure out how to do that yeah and we love you and we love you and goodbye <laughs> <laughs>